and welcome to Hunting Pixels, the official video game podcast of Culture Bop. See how good I do it? I am your I, I like the pop. Stop talking. I am your host today, Justin Ruiz, aka Skyrise Excellence. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. Yeah, every time this joke's getting old. Actually, the I, you were expecting somebody else. Um, is it getting old? What do you think? Are you asking me? <laughs> I told you to stop talking. I know. I know. <laughs> it's okay. You can. You can. You know. No, it's not getting old. And I, I do like the pop you put on there. It's it's a little better than Josh's. Oh, well, now you're just flattery will get you everywhere. Well, I'm just hoping it leads to more time to talk. Oh, God. Okay. So this time around, this is one of the one of the three special episodes that we have. The first one being an interview with one Josh McMullen. This time it's going to be the other boy of the bop, one Dylan Martin. Joined by Mr. Martin today. And as these are interviews, um, as I will be tossing questions over to Mr. Martin, I think the first question on everyone's mind is, how you doing? How's it going? I'm doing good, man. I've been excited for this. So I'm glad that uh, you and I could work together a time and I could commit to that time and not bail on you at the last second. <laughs> There's an inside joke, and I'll explain it, because um, the other guy on the show who will go nameless, I think his initials are Austin Stevens. Yeah. Um, he actually was supposed to do this before. This was technically supposed to be episode three. Now it's episode two, but he bailed um, because of, like, I don't know, something about tattooing or I don't know. Yeah. Something along those lines. I think he said he was really... He, he got a lot of ouchies from the needle. Right. And he needed to lie down and count sheep or something. I don't know. It's okay. It's going to be a hard act to follow, though. So, not when you don't have to follow anything, right? Oh, I meant him following me. So, oh, you meant Josh? Nah. <laughs> it's easy to make fun of people when they're not here. That's um, true. Okay. Well... This this go around, Josh was very let's let's just kick this off, right? Josh was very into movies, TV, and I want to understand more on the sides of things where you're you're not in that milieu as hard as he is, right? So I wanted to take it and get an understanding of what other aspects of life make you tick, and obviously we're going to get to the meat and potatoes, which are video games. It'll be fun. So let's just kick this off here. Um, music. I know music is a big thing for you, right? And, and your other co-host, I know, and normally we would have had this conversation already, but I know that he's, a, uh, he's really into like the metal and harder stuff out there. And, and I believe that you have a similar taste as, as Austin. But if you want to dive into sort of what, what genres you really like, and I think that's the hard stuff. What, yeah. what really? What brought about that love that that genre of music? What really? What what made that happen for you? So, I was fortunate growing up. Both of my parents were into two completely different genres, or maybe different sides of the spectrum. I should say, 
my mom was more pop centric and she dabbled in some hip hop. And then my dad was really focused on stuff like classic rock and metal. So because of that, I feel like I got to be exposed to like a pretty wide array of music. Um, but when it came to the harder stuff, like my favorite, my favorite metal band is um, Killswitch Engage. And I think what really draws me to that kind of music is it stems from the writing itself um, and how it kind of coalesces with some just absolutely incredible music to me. Um, like there's a verse in a song by Killswitch. Like you, when you listen to these bands from an, from an outside perspective, like it might be hard to understand. I get it because of all the screaming and stuff, but there's a, um, a song that, or a verse that goes, you know, can we walk a mile in another shoes to determine what we have to lose disconnection of a common reality become so lost in this world of hypocrisy. And it's like, when you, when you get down to it, that's where the magic shines is the writing that these guys can convey in these really like aggressive um, songs like people hear the genre and they think, whoa, this is just a bunch of screaming and yelling. But the reality is like, it's telling a fantastic story and it's asking thought provoking questions when you sit and listen and combine that with amazing performances, you know, from the musicians themselves. And you have like this symphony of emotion just waiting to happen. Yeah. But I think what we all are feeling is what Huey Lewis said best. You're just too darn loud. <laughs> it's pretty loud, right? I mean, that's the beauty of it, though. I, no, it totally is. I agree. I mean, there's there's magic in that, right? I mean, every instrument is being played at its like peak. Every musician is really lacing into these things, and it, and it comes together. And if you do truly appreciate it, you hear the melody, you hear that. Um, I always like when people are like, I'll, I'll never listen to like the Dillinger escape plan or it's like, you, you don't understand it. Yeah. You're just, it doesn't, it doesn't appeal to you right now, but listen to it a few times and you'll understand why. Right. So are there any other genres that you lean into? Yeah. Um, just because of like, so my dad heavily influenced the metal side and my mom really started me down the road of hip hop. It has always been there in my life in some regard. Um, I grew up with, you know, uh, Biggie, Tupac, Outkast, Wu-Tang and like all that stuff from, you know, back in the day. But that really evolved over time. I, hip hop never went away. I don't think metal did either, but I, I really invested myself into hip hop there for a while. And, um, it kind of gave me this diverse spread of artists that I adore now, like J.I.D., Denzel Curry, Freddie Gibbs, and Kid Cudi. Like, those are the four huge ones to me. I talk about them a lot in our Discord um, with uh, good old Jeff. But um, the journey the, that the lyricism brings from hip-hop artists who are proficient in that kind of lyricism, I guess, the ones that can tell a story, it's unique to them. And every time I listen to a song, it's like I get taken to a different part of the world. It's like a different perspective. And I don't think there's another kind of genre that makes me feel like that. Kid Cudi's got that new Sonic song out. I didn't know that. He has a Sonic song for the movie? Yeah, for Sonic No. And then Travis, who is it? Um, I forgot who Travis Scott. I think it might have been Travis Scott. And then, like, seven other TikTok guys were on it or something. I don't remember. Oh, um, my God. Yeah, fun stuff, right? Uh, 
One of the things that you've mentioned on the show, not in the Discord, but on the show, is that you really like live shows, right? You said you've gone to a number of them. I think you recently saw Kill, Kill Switch, right? Right. So that's a new experience to me, man. Um, so I've only been to two concerts in my entire 30 years of living. Um, both of them have been metal shows. I've not made it to a hip hop show yet, but, um, the first concert I ever went to was a lineup of light the torch avatar and trivium. Um, and then this past concert was supposed to be light the torch, August burns red and kill switch, but light the torch, Howard Jones, uh, wasn't doing too good and he had to sit out. It was the show in Atlanta. Um, both of these shows, man, they, they, they kind of change how I see the artists. Um, it's, it's one thing to hear it and listen to it on Spotify when I'm working out in the gym or on the way to work or whatever, but it's like to see them there and they're performing that music. It's, it's just incredible. Um, it went with the first show that I went to, it kind of opened the door for what I wanted to see. Um, in terms of a concert, one of the bands there, like I said, was Avatar. And I've listened to a couple of their songs before. Um, Hail the Apocalypse is a huge one. That was around a while ago. And Eagle is Lander or something like that. I don't remember what it was. But they could have headlined that show for the performance that they put on, dude. It was like it was they were all in costume and they had these personas and it was almost like in a weird way like watching royalty like with how they conducted themselves um it was incredible man i i i'm loving what i've seen so far and then the kill switch concert was just mind-blowing like i said they're my favorite uh metal band and i've been a huge fan since god man early early 2000s and kind of getting to see them live like that. My dream was to see the the two singers together. Howard Jones is from the, um, like the 2000, early 2000 era. And then Jesse Leach is there now. And I really love Howard Jones as a lead singer. But like I said, um, he wasn't able to be there with his band, like the torch, but, uh, get, just getting to see Jesse, just give this awesome, incredible performance. And like having, if what felt like the entirety of the Atlanta, entirety of Atlanta singing along with him, I'm I'm ready to go to another one. I'm actually going to another one uh, in June. I'm going to go see uh, Motley Crue. <laughs> really? Yeah, I know. Weird, right? It's a uh, Motley Crue, Def Leppard, Joan Jett, and uh, I forget what the other one is. Poison, maybe. So are they just going to roll the dice to see who like lives that night? Or? <laughs> I know. It's such a weird lineup, especially coming from these metal concerts that I've gone to. But I love Motley Crue. Um, and my friend actually was very gracious enough to buy me a ticket. So it's going to uh, it's going to be a wild ride. You know, whether they're old and decrepit or not, it's going to be fun. <laughs> yeah, no, I hear you. Um, that's sick, man. Live music is so much fun. It's such a blast. So so do you like metal yourself? Not really, no. Well, no? I mean, I say that as like I'm being such a penis. Um, <laughs> I, no, I, I'm, I'm into, I'm into it a little bit. I, I've gravitated so much. My my musical tastes have just been all over the place. Um, 
and right now I've I've been more into like vaporwave and synthwave and and stuff like that. Okay. Um. So, what was the last live performance you saw? Uh, last week I saw the Midnight. Okay. Wow. So, do you go often? Because that was like holy shit. That was within the span of seven days. You've just been to a concert. I used to go, man, in my 20s, I'd probably go to about 10 shows a year. Um, but then again, that's God. the benefit of living in New York, right? That's true. Pick up cheap tickets anywhere and just check out a show. But this isn't about me. I know. Well, it's a little about you. No, it's not. I got to know about my host. Please. It's always about me. <laughs> um, so let's shift gears. because I think that was a really good conversation about music. And I'm really glad that you're finding your... Um, you know, you're finding what's awesome about live music, and it's, and it is so much fun, right? Especially the small yeah. shows too. But um, let's shift gears. One of the other things that you've mentioned, I know it's so popular on the Discord, is your interest for the great outdoors. Mm-hmm. You've been a proponent of posting pictures on that on that Discord channel about the outdoors. You've really you've said that you enjoy you know nature walks, hikes, things like that. So where did you really develop this strong love of the outdoors? What really brought this love of nature? So it kind of circles back to my dad again, man. Um, when we would spend time together, it was more often than not, like it was outside doing something. Um, he taught me how to hunt, fish, track, navigate, and just just a lot that I truly give him credit for. Um I don't think I appreciated it enough at the time because even like as a kid, I was very much invested into gaming and that's what I always wanted to be doing. But the older I got, the more I started to appreciate it more. And now it's pretty much all I do. You just live outside now? Pretty much as much as I can. If I'm not at work or if I'm not like streaming a video game, I am trying to be out there hiking, just fishing, whatever. So what do you, how do you feel when you take hikes? Like, I mean, why take tell people to take a hike constantly? I don't know how they feel it. <laughs> right. How do you feel? Two different about, hikes, right? Yeah, exactly. So what, <laughs> like what part of walking the earth is enjoyable to you? When I'm out there, it's, man, it's almost like everything going on in my actual life. Like I'm liberated from those woes or struggles that I go through on a daily basis. It's like work disappears. Mental health is almost rejuvenated. Um, and I can just focus on me and what's around me. And I enjoy being able to, fo- and not to, for, to make that sound completely conceited. I do often go with Sabrina and my two dogs and stuff like that. And I get to focus on them, but in turn, that's also focusing on me because that's what makes me happy. Um, so, I just enjoy being able to go to these places and see things other people really only get to see in films or read about in books. And it's, it's a magical experience. Do you feel like it's a form of meditation? It kind of is. It almost becomes meditative when I'm out there, especially when I'm alone. Cool. Very cool. Do you feel that you've had, you have like a sense of compatibility with the outdoors at this point? Yeah. Um, almost to use the same word again, it's kind of like I, we just coalesce me and nature. Um, I feel like it's where I belong. Like there's something in my DNA that just says that that's where I need to be. Um, I know that the outdoors themselves are like untamed and just 
kind of just are. And I respect that. And in turn, I feel like the earth kind of guides me to these experiences and just wonderful places that I could never see sitting indoors and, you know, never taking the path less traveled. You make it sound so magical. <laughs> like, I want to go outside now and just... You should. Well, it's too cold. It's not only cold, but you're kind of surrounded by the whole, you know, concrete type of jungle. I'm not right. in the city. That's the thing you're that you not? guys always think is like, oh, he just lives in some yeah. high rise. He's in some high rise just looking down at people. Oh, don't tell me this has been a lie the whole time. I don't lie. I fib. This is disgusting. Do you live in a fucking countryside with a vineyard or some shit? God, God, I wish. Uh, (laughs) There are vineyards around here. I'm on Long Island. It's a different story. It's it's all the same place to me. I'm still just picturing a sky rise at this point. That's funny. That's funny because... I could say a very similar comment about Georgia. <laughs> you're not wrong, man. You're not wrong. We got so when, we got nothing. What time? You're a winter guy, right? What time of the year do you like the most? I mean, do you would you do this in the summer? Do you feel that you have yep. more of a stronger connection at certain periods of the, the year? So. God, dude, I feel like each of the seasons brings something else. That's just so much fun. Um, I get to live in a place where when it does get cold, luckily, you know, it doesn't hurt the face too bad to stand outside. Like I can't imagine how rough it is up in New York. Um, But here I'm kind of blessed with experiences that are always positive no matter what season it in, what season we're in. But it's almost I think fall. Fall is just incredible because it's one thing to walk outside and see a couple of trees, you know, the leaves changing and stuff like that. It's another to go up on top of the Appalachian mountains and you see thousands upon thousands upon thousands of trees that are just multicolored. Um, it's incredible. And then just to go to like, I, I know of a few lakes that are kind of embedded inside of the mountains too. And you can walk a, a, a really long, like three, four mile trail, around it and just to be there like with the misty just almost blanket rolling across the lake and then you kind of get to see just the the true color of the leaves around you just oh man it comes to life in the fall um ironically enough because that's about the time everything's you know losing life but it's and the smell (laughs) it's i can picture the smell of fall right now um up in the appalachian mountains man it's it's the best they could jar up your description and put it into a candle. I'd smell it. <laughs> so, and I'm glad that you took TLC's advice. You stuck with the lakes and the rivers that you're used to. Yes. <laughs> I don't go chasing waterfalls. No, you shouldn't. So you said that you will go with your, I'll call Sabrina your significant other. Yes. I don't, I don't want to use her full name because... She hasn't been on the show yet, so she doesn't get that kind of credit. There you go. So, no, to protect identities. Um, but she is in the Discord. Hello, how are you? Um, <laughs> you said you'll go out with her and your dogs, but but what do you like? And, and you don't have to say like more, but what, what do you like best about either going with someone or going on your lonesome? So it's, it is two different experiences. Um, before I met Sabrina, I absolutely would go out by myself. And I'll tell you, it's humbling. Um, 
I mentioned it just a bit ago, but you have to have this respect for nature when you're out there because anything can happen at any time. So you learn to take things slowly. Um, just kind of immerse yourself in your surroundings and take note of everything around you, every little detail, and just focus. Um, but you can lose yourself in that focus, and that's where it becomes that meditative state. Like you're just in the moment. You're not really thinking anything and if thoughts come they kind of wash over you like there's no resistance um you're kind of existing in a small part of this colossal world and you start to really understand what exactly that means it's humbling um but then on the other side like you know going with sabrina i get to experience this with someone i can show her she's from arizona so coming over here like she was literally from the desert so she comes over here and she gets to see something that's entirely different and getting to watch someone go through that, that is a gift, especially someone that you do deeply care about. And then we have these two really high energetic dogs who just love going out on these trails too. So it takes everything that I loved from going by myself and it just makes it better that they're there with us. Um, yeah, it really amplifies it. it. It does, man. I would not trade it for the world. You're right about crazy things happening in nature. I have played Red Dead Redemption 2. <laughs> I have played Horizon. So I know exactly what you're talking so, about. <laughs> you're right there. Do you have like access to nature out there? Yeah, there Or is it just Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Good. Well, we have we have one thing that I think is very uh that I think a lot of people are jealous of. We have the beach. And that's something uh, I think a lot of people really enjoy. And and despite what some people think, there is there's surfing up here. There's there's definitely water sports. And then on the other side of the island is the Sound, the Long Island Sound, which is definitely more geared towards sailing. So there there's there are things to do. There's definitely stuff. To do. There's definitely a lot of bike paths too. A lot of cyclists up here in the Northeast Hills. People yeah. love climbing hills for whatever reason i don't know but <clears throat> hey they do them i don't you, think i ever correlated new york with surfing no one does that's yeah that's crazy to me it's blew my mind see this is why it's not just about me i get to learn something too yeah, well all right whatever so ah <laughs> uh, you ruined my segue oh, i'm sorry fuck. i had to think of a new one that's fine. Or you could. See, this just, is where this see Josh usually fails here. He's gonna kill me for saying this. <laughs> but he usually fails here at the segue because he'll say that he doesn't have a segue when he always does. He just never <laughs> acts on it. Good. You know, he should just try to right. you know press those buttons. As if you're pressing the buttons on a controller. Let's talk oh, about video God. games. That was great. So you've recently accepted a challenge a very i would say a pretty difficult challenge not like a double dare physical challenge this is the video game genre challenge that culture bop has instilled on these three men basically a competition between you and your co-host to see who can complete the most games in various different genres basically up to 10 am i right correct 10 how's it going so far um, so far, I'm doing exceptionally well. Um, I feel like last year in the challenge to complete 20 games, I was too sidetracked in the beginning of the year doing a different type of challenge for my Twitch channel. And I didn't give our yearly podcast challenge that I 
you know, set for us, I didn't give that enough time or effort. So that's not like me. I'm a very competitive person. Um, and this year I tackled it much differently and I'm putting my all into it. And so far I've completed five of the 10 genres, um, that we talked about and I'm on to number six, probably within the next few days. Now you've completed five. What genres do you normally gravitate to and, and why, what, what really excites you about them? Um, this one's hard because I feel like I enjoy so many different types of games that it's hard to pin down. Um, but like, if you looked at Soulsborne as its own genre, then that's definitely a category I could never tire of and I would go to it every single time. Um, but looking at them more openly, it's an action RPG, right? Or Elden Ring being more of an open world <clears throat> action RPG. So that's kind of indicative, huh? I just call them pain. Yeah, you're the, you're the one that's not the fan of this whole genre, right? I So I really like Bloodborne, but... Um I just, I mean, at some point you either, you either laugh and continue going because you know it's ridiculous or you, you know, you break things while you're playing the game. But I did, I, I will say all the talk of Elden Ring and I haven't played it, but all the talk of Elden Ring has reminded me of my time with Bloodborne and I do remember how wildly bad I was in the beginning and I remember how amazing I was by the end. And it yeah. is, it, there is something to it. But continue with, your, um, with what you were saying on, on genres, right? You, you stopped with the Soulsborns, but what else, right. what else, what else is there? So it's, it's like that's kind of really indicative of what I like because I do like open world action RPGs and stuff like that. Um, also falling into this category that I talk about on the podcast a lot are games like The Witcher 3 or Skyrim or Assassin's Creed or Borderlands and just all of those other, you know, kind of open world experiences or at least semi open world experiences. So I enjoy exploration, side quests and just kind of delving into the lore and who inhabits these worlds and why. I mean, that's if you can give me a game like that, that's where I'm going. You you you're really not going to talk about the other one. What's the other one? Come on. Do I like another one? Hold on. You're kidding. Oh, this, uh, probably. This is a bit. This is a joke. This is a bit. Fucking fishing simulator? No. Okay, thank God. Oh, are you... It's the Pokemon. one where the animals fight each other? Yeah, the Pokemon. I really didn't want to bring it up this episode because I knew you and Pokemon don't get along. Okay? This is an interview about you. You're the one that's supposed to tell about yourself. I like Pokemon. This, this is not about me being satiated. No. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, I, I mean... I do greatly enjoy Pokemon. It's been it's been a huge part of my life uh, since the late 90s, right? Whenever it came out, I had a Game Boy and I chose blue. Um, and even till now, I'm not liking where the game is seemingly going. They've really changed up the formula a lot, but I will Why? stick with what, it. What, what? So what? But no, I really want to unpack this. You, 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 you and Austin have both said it's gone downhill and you two idiots have just continued to buy the games showing your love and appreciation for this. Not that I'm calling you two idiots, but no, never, never. Um, 
No, but why? Why do you guys feel? And I'm joking, by the way, because I know I rip on Austin on all these things. I do rip on you too, but uh, I don't mean to be crass or rude. I just <laughs> it's all in good good fun. It's I understand diversity and inclusion. Um, but you guys have said that there was a peak in this series, and that everything has just gone downhill. What really would bring this back to its glory for you? Is it just, is it new variations? Is it a, a twist on the uh, gameplay? I mean, what, where was it at the pinnacle? Why was it so good? And why can't it recreate that magic again? I feel like they've deviated from the formula that at least when Austin and I talk about it, you know, back in its glory days, they've deviated so far away from that formula to try and create something new that I feel like it hurts classic players like he and I. Um, man, I really enjoy the top-down style. When we got Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl, even though it was a remake of Diamond and Pearl, it still felt new and fresh <clears throat> just because, you know, the, the graphics are how... The graphics in Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl are what we imagined we were playing back then. Like, it just... It looks fantastic, and... It reminded us what made the game so special. I mean, I didn't need some giant, crazy open world that's littered with nothingness to enjoy a Pokemon game. I had a nice top-down experience with a confined world that was just done right, and now it feels like they're trying to do too much. And um, I know they have to cater to newer players, but... At this point, so far down the line in Pokemon, there has to be some kind of difficulty option because the games are way too handholdy now. Um, the classic experience that he and I know, it, it's just gone. And we, we say all this and we have these critiques, but ultimately it's like, yeah, we're going to keep playing the games because we just love the franchise and we're always willing to give it a shot. And even if we don't like the games as much as the older games, I mean, we're still going to enjoy it because it's Pokemon, because Pokemon's more about building like bonds with these creatures in the game. And it's about, you know, going on the journey itself. So there's always some kind of nostalgic bit of um, just some nostalgic piece to hang on to. But it's just not what it was. Um, I, I really hope that going forward because we always get a remake at some point um you know alpha sapphire and omega ruby came out now it's brilliant diamond shining pearl i hope that going forward when we hit black and white i think black and white and even austin agrees it's one of the best in the franchise and if they can do it right i mean that's those are the things that i'm now thriving for i want to see these top-down experiences even though it's a remake i'm fine with that um but I don't know. I could talk, dude. You opened the fucking Pandora's box there. <laughs> that's that's Pokemon. I was trying to avoid it. I feel like I've opened Porygon's box. Yeah. Oh wow. I know, right? I'm good at these. Um. So what would it, what would it take? And it's funny, remakes wise. I, I feel like we'll have this conversation when Slashing Sword and Invincible Shield come out. But what would it take for you to not play one? I know it's. Oh. I know it's sort of like that's an impossible question to answer because you've played Arceus. But uh, you know, it, <laughs> if you if you had to see something on its surface, make a snap judgment. What would it take for you to say like this is the one where I don't get it? Damn, I mean that's that's hard because I, I'm sure there's something there. Like just thinking about it, if I was thinking off about 
what it would take off the top of my head. I mean, <clears throat> something they did in Sun and Moon that I absolutely hated was they had the Pokemon, but then they introduced these things called Ultra Beasts, which were just, I mean, they were fucking glorified Pokemon from another dimension, but they called it Ultra Beast, and it started to deviate too far into Digimon territory. Like, they even looked too humanoid or just not Pokemon at all. And if they went back down that route and they started creating these things that no longer felt like Pokemon, like that's the reason I play is to develop the bonds with these creatures. And if they started to not look like Pokemon anymore and started to, you know, have more of that humanoid, um, just not even robotic, just, just not Pokemon look that would almost guaranteed make me not pick up the game. Um, cause I'm trying to develop bonds with cute little creatures, not fucking robots and fucking insects with human legs and stuff like that i'm emailing game freak now and telling him to to make (laughs) you you're like i finally got it i cracked the code (laughs) like no it'd be really cool like making pokemon look like humans um so no that's great i'm glad you i'm glad you unpacked that because i i think you know those are you know from an rpg perspective those are strong categories to really love and enjoy and you've been doing this challenge and it's been it's been throwing you into different categories, right? It's been expanding your horizons. So is has there been a genre recently that you've played that has surprised you in either a good or a bad way, or is there one that you're excited about? Um so far in this challenge, my least favorite genre and experience comes from our very own Austin Stevens. Shocking. Um yeah, and <laughs> a game called Naruto to Borto Shinobi Striker. Um, Say no more. Yep. I wanted to try to like this game. Um, I wanted to come back to Austin and say, hey, thanks for this, man. I mean, it was a lot of fun, but instead, I may have threatened him at some point in our podcast because of my time with it. Um, it's this like mission-based open arena fighting game, probably most reminiscent of like maybe a Dragon Ball Xenoverse type of thing in some regard. Um, but it's all like run through this hub world and you just select a mission and you kind of go at it and then you're done. There's no story. There's, it's just very hollow. Now, that being said, this game truly shines, um, in, in like kind of the online multiplayer experience. Um, it has a lot of competitive gameplay, but when I say shines, I mean it like, you know how you can see like a piece of rust shine if the sun hits it just right? Like it's yeah. it's kind of like that, right? Kinda like on my hikes, yeah. R- right, yeah, exactly. Um, this style of game is absolutely not for me. I don't even think I could enjoy like a Xenoverse game. I remember picking up and putting down a Xenoverse game before. Um, but that being said, I'm at least grateful to Austin for giving me the chance to play something and expand my, um, I guess just, you know, what I've played because I would have never, ever, ever, ever picked this up. Um, it's kind of like Josh on our last podcast gave me a movie to watch that I would have never in a million years watched. And I turned out to love it. Um, Wait, unfortunately and tick, tick, boom. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm glad yeah. you liked it. And I'm glad that I got first dibs on knowing what that is before they recorded their show <laughs> in <Yeah>. two hours. <laughs> <that>. Exclusive. <laughs> I'm going to time travel here. <laughs> Oh man. Um, well, has there on been the po- any, yeah, I was gonna say anything on the good side. Yeah, on the positive was oh, 
man, I loved it so much. I streamed most of it. It was Ori and the Will of the Wisps. Um, oh, wow, yeah. This was a self-chosen game, and my God, did it live up to my expectations, if not actually exceeding them, because I was a big fan of Ori and the Blind Forest, and this game did everything its predecessor did and more. Um, I never really dabbled in the Metroidvania genre before, and I know this is like action platformer Metroidvania, um, uh, except for maybe Hollow Knight. You know, I, I did dabble in Hollow Knight. Um, but after beating Will of the Wisps and having this just absolutely phenomenal story laid out uh, for me on this, like, this wonderful, beautiful canvas, I want more experiences like that. Um, Hollow Knight does it in a more somber way, but I know it still has this remarkable story from what I've played. And I'm actually interested to delve more into the genre once this challenge is over and I can, you know, I have time for more games. I'm, I'm very curious. I was very excited um, to dabble in Ori and dude, it, it, it was fantastic to live up to the hype. Um, if I could give you a suggestion, time spinner is another really great one. In time that, spinner in that category. Yeah. Is it a PC PlayStation? It's, I think it's everything. It was a Kickstarter. Actually, I backed it, and that was the last one. That was the last one I ever backed because Kickstarter games take a long time to make. Yeah. Um, but Time Spinner was very good. I really enjoyed Time Spinner. That's like, I don't see it on Steam. I'll look on PlayStation though. So, are there any? I guess when it comes to different types of games, right, multiplayer, single player, anything like that, do, do you have a certain fondness for for any, or do you have any certain, like, disdain for any that, like, not part of the challenge or anything, but there's there's just a category that you'll look at and you'll say, not for me. But if there's a category that you see and you, you just sit there and you say, like, okay, I'll give it a shot, anything that comes to mind? So... I'm not a big fan of JRPGs as I thought I was. I f- Breaking your friend's heart. I know. Truly, both of them, probably. Um, the irony of all this being that I I love games where I can explore and delve into lore and have awesome boss fights, but something about turn-based combat just does not do it for You're, me. It's, <laughs> I was just going to say, the next category that we're going to is like how much you love game story and mechanics like that. And yeah, you're talking this, about hating JRPG. It's really because if it wasn't for the combat, uh, <laughs> it's just this is coming from someone who like actively advocates and plays for Pokemon games, right? Like with the whole turn based combat. I don't know why I played Persona for Persona 5 Royal for. 30 plus hours and then I just stopped because I couldn't take it anymore. I was enjoying the story but it's like, ugh, I don't want to just keep dragging myself through this combat. Um, but on the other side of the spectrum, on the things that I see and I absolutely go for, how many times can I talk, talk about the Souls games this, this episode? Uh, you're almost at quota. Yeah. Okay. Mm, I'll go for it. So, when the Souls games, when I was first introduced to them, I didn't really care for them. Um, the first one I was introduced to, the one that I was told to play and get, was Dark Souls 2. For whatever reason, I could not get into it, despite my one of my good friends urging me that it was great and it only gets better, and to just try and, you know, flesh it out a little more. I tried, okay? I, I even to this day, I can't go back and play it. Um, it did not get better. <laughs> so fast forward to Dark Souls 3. And again, he's trying to get me to play the game. 
So I tried it and it was a substantial difference. Um, the combat was faster than in two. The movement felt more fluid and the world itself just looked more alive and the bosses just enticed me and that sense of exploration and interest in the lore kicked in and I was hooked. Um, so yeah, no JRPGs, but give, give me something where I can hack and slash my way through and, you know, actually move around in combat. I just, I can't do JRPGs. Maybe, maybe one day, maybe I'll go back and finish persona for Austin. Well, you should, you should finish it for me first, but, um, Okay. I actually enjoyed it, okay. uh, despite pumping tons of hours into it and finding the mechanics of some, the, some of the mechanics of that game archaic. Like if the main character dies, your whole party wipes because of course, yep. or having a main character that just doesn't speak, like he's a blank cipher, and the rest of everybody else <laughs> are all the interesting characters except for this pinhead who's just standing there with a cat. Um, but I can go See? about why I can't. And some of those things in Persona. But I do want to talk about story and games and, and mechanics. So what what parts of a game do you consider the most important to you when you're like evaluating an experience, right? If you're sitting there and you're playing a game and, and let's say you get halfway through it, what parts are, are resonating with you? Ultimately, it's how I feel when playing with it, which I know sounds kind of simple when I stated it like that, but it's true. I want something that moves me or gets me invested in the story and the world. I need a game that can sink its claws into me and make me care about what's happening. Um, the Witcher three is a great example of this is not only did the story have me, you know, waiting with bated breath to see what happens next, but the side quest did too. Um, I cared about the world, the people in it, the choices I made and how it affected everyone and the outcome of the game overall. It was just done right. Um, but maybe the game I'm playing doesn't have this like Witcher 3 type story. Um, so at that point, it's like, what do I look for? And it's mechanically, I need everything <clears throat> to be polished and feel fun. I want the game to feel like it's like it's been fine tuned by developers that actually care. Um, I'm going to go back to Ori for this one because I think it had the best example of this. Yes, it had a great story, but looking past that, you had absolutely stellar controls in both traversability and combat and everything just felt right when playing, uh, that game. And that in itself could keep me going on a game. Um, like when it just feels right, it could keep me going. Um, another example is Spider-Man with how something just feels right. Spider-Man 2018. How good does it feel to swing through New York as Spider-Man? That's a direct question to you. Uh, well, I, I mean, that's how I get to work. So, okay. I um, figured. All right. Yeah. So, it's, I, you know, it's a little less exciting than the game, you know? Right. <laughs> no, I, it's no, you no continue. Cause I, I want to yeah. hear what you have to say about it. It's, Swinging through, so Spider-Man's a huge, huge part of my life. Like I've loved it ever since I was a kid, and being able to play this game where it's seamless, it's versatile, smooth, and just fun. You can transition from web sling, web slinging to straight combat in just a matter of a second, and then right back to web slinging like it's absolutely nothing. So mechanics like that are something that I truly crave and seek in a game, and I hope we can start to see it more in the future. 
um, because it just feels good and it sets itself apart from anything else when it just feels good to play it. Elden Ring again does the same thing. It took a formula from the Souls games and just made it better in every way. So let me ask you this. I mean, Spider-Man's combat, I mean, outside of the swinging, right? The traversal is, is I think, um, it is its own thing. But the combat is very akin to something like Batman, right? And, right. And there have been a lot of games that try to master that system. Do you ever kind of see that Batman mechanic or that Batman comic, co- combat and say to yourself, like, okay, this is something that I could, I could jump into. And then, it, it, coincidentally with that, too, like, are there aspects of games that you find, like, forgivable? If, if, there, are, if there are certain instances where, like, I'll overlook something because something is, because one other aspect is so good. Or, on the other hand, you could look at something and say, like, I can't forgive this. It, this portion is so bad, I cannot forgive it. So, moving away from Spider-Man just for a second, like, something, okay, difficulty in games is, it's subjective for the most part. Soulsborne games get a lot of grief for being perilously hard, and while I understand that, that's an example of something that's deemed negative, but I feel is completely forgivable because Soulsborne games and I hate to say it like this, but they're made for you to get good. They teach you patience, positioning, and tactic. And a person who's never picked up a controller before can learn to play a Soulsborne game with enough time. But I believe people are really quick to judge these games as too hard and unplayable when, in fact, a bit of patience can open the door to another side of, like, just another side of gaming that's waiting to be explored. So people, I feel like gauge difficulty is a little too critically. Um, but now conversely, the unforgivable side to me, um, or the unforgivable curse, <clears throat> um, devs who release their games and they're not refined or polished. So again, we, we switch back to what did I say about Spider-Man? It's like, I, I liked how good it felt, the traversability movement, combat and all that stuff. But, um, this can be like when I say unrefined or polished, this can be due to crunch and rushing or a simple lack of not caring because a patch will fix it after the game's released. Um, I often ref like in the podcast, I'll reference my disappointment with cyberpunk. Um, I did hold it to high standards because of the Witcher three, which I understand is wrong. Um, and I held it in high standards, not only for like story and side quests, but overall just how the game, like how good it felt to play, the witcher like how good it felt to be in control of Geralt um but then when cyberpunk released it was boggled with fault after fault whether it be horrendous frame rates and like some people being burdened with stupidly high cpu usage me um how the overall ai of the npcs was just terrible i like with how they reacted or interacted with the world and like shadows were bugging out and then like i remember just some bugs like even i would be running along the street and i would look down at my feet and i'm still running but my legs aren't and that i mean it's immersion breaking if you just take the time to polish these little things and i get like everything i'm i'm just, cyberpunk is my scapegoat right now i'm not just there's many games that can do this but 
I just, I expect more from companies who want us to shell out our money for their product. And I don't want to buy a car and write off the lot. Like I want to get a check engine light. Cause what am I going to do? I'm going to turn my ass around and I'm going to go ask what the hell happened. It's that, that's the unforgivable thing. Um, How many times I've done that at the Porsche dealership. My God. <laughs> I hate you too. <laughs> So, well, it's funny that you mentioned Cyberpunk because I, I think there are a lot of glaring problems with that game, even just with with the story and and the and yeah. just the gameplay too. I, I I still to this day think he that guy V is probably and both versions are just the worst dumbest character. Like here's somebody who's been in Night City for thirty years yet he doesn't know what street like the most famous thing in Night City is on. Like, he's always like, wait, where's that? You know, it's like, come on, like, you're... Yeah, I don't think I've ever asked to play as a dumb character before. Yeah. Um, so that that was really good. I'm, I'm glad we unpacked all that stuff. So one of the other things that you've been doing recently, you've done, you've done in the past, but you've really been ramping up this year. Uh, you've been streaming on Twitch a lot. And when the... When when I started listening to the show, you had just reached your affiliate status, and and when you were streaming back then, you were working on something completely different than what you're working on now. Um, no hit runs, sort of like getting into these like almost speed run type categories. How how would you how do you define something like that? What what draws you to like a no hit run or a speed run? Um, cause there are a lot of people that watch those types of, um, those types of streams. And I think there's something really, really like j- just congratulatory about doing the, completing those runs. I'd love to hear your thoughts about no hits and, and speed runs and stuff like that. Yeah. So <sighs> speed running, I'll always like every year when it comes around, like I, I watch G- games on quick, um, but Speed running has never been a huge draw for me, but no hit runs absolutely have. Um, this goes beyond Souls game, Souls games, which I'll get to in like a second. But this whole thing started with me watching a Dark Souls three stream one day from a guy named Dino Singale, and what I saw changed essentially how I saw games from that moment. Um, I never once thought of doing a game like that without dying let alone being hit at all like a dark souls game without being touched i couldn't even fathom um but he was doing it and he was good at it uh this it kind of opened my eyes to so many more streamers who were genuinely fantastic because he was a part of this community the hitless community and there's so many great guys like Dino, the Happy Hob, Gino Machino, Brightmares, Via Blondor, Weed Lord Gaben. Like all of these people have done hitless runs, and that's not even a fraction of how many are out there. And I wish I could take time to name all of these guys, but they're so great at what they do, and I love the community support behind these runners. Um, but even outside of like no hitting Souls games, a buddy of mine, uh, Bugsy308 on Twitch showed me that runs outside of souls games can be hitless too and that is where it started to really get interesting to me because i can it really like blew my mind to see dark souls being no hit but it made sense right like the timing you can you can just be perfect at the game essentially 
but then Bugsy comes along and he's, I, I, I never thought of it, but he was doing fallout three, um, or new Vegas. I can't remember which one it was at the time. Um, it was so interesting. You have to know these games inside and out every literal step of the way. And he was great at it. And I never really cared for fallout games, but I cared about watching him play them. Um, I was there for some of his no hits that he got throughout the time he did fallout three, no hit. He did new Vegas fallout four. He did the three games in succession as kind of like the God run. Um, watching these people go through that and the draw to it is because you're just as invested as they are. And the feeling you get from being a part of that kind of community, it's not a toxic community. There's nothing but support and love in those streams for the people trying to do it. And it doesn't matter if it's dark souls or fallout or Skyrim or Spyro or whatever have you, like there's people in there who just want to see you succeed. And it's just, it's good. It's a good feeling. Um, and we're all on that journey together and it's rewarding to see it finally come to fruition. Those, and to just harp on GDQ here, those communities, when they talk about them are always, it is the, it is the most positive collection of humans I've ever seen. Everyone is just working together towards a goal. It's, 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 it really is something magical. It's really like every year that they come along. I just watched it this earlier this year. Maybe it was the end of last year. I can't remember. It's It's been a quick year. But every time I would jump into a GDQ stream where they were trying to hit goals, I mean, people were genuinely, they cared about hitting the goals. The people who were streaming, their communities from their chats would come in and support through the GDQ site and like talk about how great the streamer is, how great GDQ is. It's just unpair. I have never seen that much positivity in the gaming community as when it comes to challenge runs of speed and no hit runners. Totally. So what are your favorite games to stream right now? Uh, any types that you, that come to mind? I know you're, I know you're working through a lot of the challenge here and you're streaming it, but anything that, that comes to mind that you enjoy streaming? <sighs> so I enjoy watching the souls games being streamed, but I also enjoy streaming them myself. Um, I know I'm over my quota here, but Elden Ring's been one I've been streaming the most recently, probably. Um, Not only do I feel like more viewers come in to see something like Elden Ring, because like I said, even the no-hit community is great, but just the Souls community is great too. And they just want to come in and see like a new player play the game or someone who's not as great as all these no-hit runners come in and, you know, get wrecked a little bit. It's it's fine. It's all in good fun. And I enjoy streaming them. Um, But outside of that... Recently, I've been streaming games that are a part of my challenge this year. And that in itself has been a lot of fun, too, because while I won't have like a super high viewer count playing some of these games, I will have viewers that are a part of our community at Culture Bop um, and the Discord, people who listen to our show, and they'll come in and they'll, you know, they'll chat and they'll see what's going on. They'll see how the challenge is going. They'll try, you know, and throw their support my way. I have a great support from a lot of people and in my chat, and that means more than I think a lot of people know. It's just being there no matter what game I'm streaming, because um, I, I enjoy streaming a lot of things. I, I, I hate using the term variety streamer because... I, I don't know. It, it feels dirty for some reason, but that's what I am. Um, I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Variety streamers there. 
I don't know. When I think of a variety streamer, I think of someone who made it big playing like Apex or Fortnite. And then once they got really big, they can now branch off to be a variety streamer and make a living out of it. Um, I always thought there was something on sale like Party City. That, oof. Like two people are going to get that joke. Yep. I got it. So it was me and Josh. Yep. <laughs> Austin. <laughs> Oh, fuck. I feel so bad for him. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. (laughs) Um, When it comes to competitive games or anything competitive, right? Like you mentioned Apex, but, you know, would would you consider streaming competitive games? And and how do you feel about sort of like the learning curve with a lot of those games? What are your thoughts? So before I started delving into, I think kind of on the road to Elden Ring, I was streaming a few different things and Valorant was one of them. Um, Jeff in the Discord um, convinced me to give it a shot because I did enjoy League of Legends and, you know, everything that that had to offer. So I started playing Valorant and it kind of gave me a nice break in the challenge um, when I needed one if, as I was playing these games. And uh, it still kind of kept me engaged and it kept me learning something. Um, I don't, I, I didn't want to just default back into something I knew and was comfortable with like Stardew. I wanted to try something different. So Valorant, thanks to our friend, um, has, it's been, a, it's been a good treat, man, because it combines Overwatch with CSGO and as such, because I love Overwatch, I, I tolerate CSGO. It's extremely competitive. Um, I get to enjoy like a load of characters that come with their own personality and abilities. And it's just riot working their magic. Um, that's just what they do. Uh, but I'm playing this game. I have a newfound respect for people who I watch play these types of games, whether it be Fortnite, Apex, Valorant, Warzone, whatever. It's, it's not only difficult to become extremely proficient in these games, but doing so in front of any amount of people can be nerve wracking, especially to the ones that do have a thousand plus viewers. So I respect them because it's like I'm trying not to choke and play like a fool. But then I start second guessing myself. Eventually, there was like a, comf- a comfortable factor that I found myself sliding into. But it took me a while to get there. Yeah, those can be very difficult. So I want to shift gears to like talking about games critically, right? And and your thoughts and critiques on games. How do you critique games? And what aspects do you find yourself commenting on the most or or aspects that stand out the most to you? So that's a little difficult because I feel like it's really contingent upon the game itself, but I think I have a pretty basic set of asks that we kind of touched on earlier. I want the game to feel polished. I want the game that I'm playing to feel like it was released in the state that the, de- that the developers intended for it to play as, um, not something that was just passable for the time, and we'll fix it in a patch later if it's broken. Um, if you're going to tell a story, then tell one. Don't get so lost in your world building that you forgot what you were trying to say along the way. And you most certainly don't need to focus on building so big of a world that it feels like a chore to slog through. Um, It doesn't need to be jam-packed with something to do like every six feet. I mean, that's great if you can do it right, but take time to sit and think about how many of those games that we've gotten recently actually do it right. And I can't really think of any. Um, So I don't know. I just find myself being critical of ultimately, I know it's so basic to say, but how good it feels for me to play um, 
I don't want it to feel like a chore as I'm playing it. I, I really want a good story to, you know, stand out and capture me, make me feel like I'm a part of the world. Yeah, totally. That's, I mean, it's funny to say that, right? Like that, you know, you get lost in the world building and then you get lost in certain other areas. And again, it goes back to that, like what's forgivable, what's not forgivable. But one right. of the other things, one of the other things I did want to ask, cause this is something that I, I asked Josh before and I, and I will ask Austin as well, but how do you feel about stuff like sequels versus new IP? I mean, w- what aspects of creativity should developers and publishers be tapping into when they make something new or when they make when they make a sequel and i know we we spoke a little bit about like the pokemon series before but you know if you want to tap into that or think more into like what should be you know what should be creatively thought of when approaching either a fran- something in a franchise or something that's completely new see that's i mean so what Spyro 2 did, I feel like they took a winning... So I'm going to go sequels first. So Spyro 2 took this winning formula from Spyro, but they expanded on it. The levels were larger. We had essentially hub worlds that were fairly big, and we could explore them on a deeper scale than just run to the next portal for a new level. Um, we could swim dive run glide and and hover all to reach these new areas that began to open up the further you played and all of those actions um outside of run and glide were brand new to spyro 2 so now we have boss fights um i don't mean just like in spyro 1 you would just run up to an enemy flame it gone that was the boss that's no now we have full-fledged boss fights um and by the time in game rolls around they're actually challenging um they added collectibles they were scattered all throughout the world. Um, and all of that was new, but built off of a winning formula. So to me, Spyro 2 is a perfect sequel. Um, you, you see the same formula in successes like Borderlands 2 and The Last of Us Part 2 as well. Um, they didn't reinvent the wheel, but they kind of made it more efficient. Um, but switching over to IPs... I feel like devs can take a lesson from some of the sequels we've been seeing recently. It may not be that we reinvent the wheel with each game, but instead maybe we just innovate and focus on that as our untapped potential, which I know sounds weird, but there are a lot of great games out there. So much so that in the more recent years, we keep seeing remakes of our old favorites as opposed to entirely new IPs. So... Again, I keep saying that I don't think that new IPs need to reinvent the wheel. Imagine Animal Crossing. So take Animal Crossing and now give it a more manageable time system. Imagine that like the depth of your little villager relationships with all the animals that are on your island, you can now expand upon them by giving them stuff like gifts and talking to them and remembering birthdays and talking to friends and stuff that are on the island and now you're finding out more about them and now you know now your island for example isn't just an island anymore now it's not all sunshine and rainbows now there are creatures that you need to fend off and to fend them off you need better weapons 
but you can only find the weapons from exploring, which, you know, how much of exploring do you really do in Animal Crossing? But you need upgrades to your tools to make exploring easier. But now I forgot that there's this core revenue system that is in the game. And now in order to get more money, you need to grow crops or raise animals. But in order to get the seeds or the animals themselves, you'll need to make some money and exploring and, you know, maybe go fishing, whatever. So I've gone on long enough. All of that imagining that we just did about this animal crossing experience taken to the next level, that's Stardew Valley made by one man because he had a great idea for a new IP inspired by Harvest Moon. (laughs) Um, I know nothing about Harvest Moon, so I just correlate it closely with Animal Crossing. I never played Harvest Moon, but you get the point. Um, I was going to innovation. Red Dead Redemption, too. (laughs) That's true. Um, Innovation is something I think we should focus on moving forward rather than constantly trying to just one up the other and just wish for something new and magical. Some, sometimes magic's been right in front of us the whole time and we just need a new perspective. I, I think there are great games out there with wonderful foundations and instead of just trying to create something absolutely out of this world, great. Like, look at how, look at what Elden Ring just did. I fuck, I'm so sorry that I keep going back to Elden Ring, but it's this game that took the world by storm and all it did was make, it's a new IP. It just made the Soulsborne formula a little better. Yeah, you're right. Horizon is like that. Um, anyway, let's wow. talk more about gaming. Now, you see, I made a joke there. It was a joke. Yeah. People are going <laughs> to laugh. Tanya will laugh. You know, Tanya, well, he's, the, he's old. He's, he's, well, so he has dementia? Probably. I mean, all right. So he does like Batman a lot. So I guess that tracks. Does that? Yeah, that's how it works. Insanely like dedicated Batman fans all have dementia. That explains so much about me. Anyway, watch Moon Knight tonight. Uh, So gaming trends, right? Let's let's talk about trends here. I think this is where we'll. We'll wrap up here, but are there any trends that you you think are occurring in gaming that you that you like that you want to see go on, or are there any that you think should sort of die off? What are your thoughts? So I think about this one a lot, but generally, when I think about this, I'm left with more questions. Honestly, um, the video game world, as you and I know, from when you and I were, how old are you? I'm not answering that. All right, so you're 35. So from when you and I were a kid, are you actually 35? I am. (laughs) I think I remember that. That was just subconscious remembering. I'm sorry. Um, (laughs) But gaming from our youth has evolved by leaps and bounds over the years, but more recently, it seems to have almost doubled down on that. So with the release of Twitch and more recently what Twitch has grown into, it almost controls the narrative of what's popular. If you look at the top games played, it's all Fortnite, Apex, Valorant, League. Um, games built for groups are just overall competitive nature. Um, I don't think by any means that the single player game's dead because I do not. Recent successes like Last of Us, uh, Red Dead, Horizon, and both Horizons and God of War 
they show us that single player games aren't dead. Um, but once those games are done, a lot of people kind of default back to the former games that I mentioned of a more competitive nature. They're huge profit centers. And I think going forward, we continue to see these competitive games with visually lucrative microtransactions in the forms of like character and weapon skins and battle passes with goodies and overall just deceptively enticing services that keep you coming back. I think that those are still going to remain prominent and we're going to continue to see just one after the other of trying to one up each other um, just to, to hit those profits. Um, but on a different spectrum, I think what Elden Ring just did is going to make devs take a step back and ask how they capture lightning in a bottle. I think they're going to see an open world game with, you know, I guess from outsiders' perspectives, it's an extremely difficult game and they're going to take the open world aspect and the difficulty and they're going to run with that. That's what they're going to see as opposed to the beautifully crafted world with impeccable art and world design mixed with like this really subtle lore that I've paid attention to just continues to leave you wanting more. They're not going to look at the combat that's so incredibly versatile that you could choose from a myriad of different play styles and play it a dozen different ways from all of your friends. Like you guys aren't even playing the same thing. Josh and I are playing now. He respect he's playing something entirely different. We're playing something similar, but it's just completely different than what I'm doing. Um, so you, you do all that and you're, you're in an environment that doesn't hold your hand really, but it instead greatly, rewards your exploration. I think developers outside of FromSoft are going to get the wrong message here and they're going to create this trend of ridiculously huge open world games. Imagine Assassin's Creed Valhalla and couple it with this tedious difficulty with no real reward. I think that's the message that they took. I don't want to call it a trend, but I think that's, you know, something that will become a trend. I think they're going to try to run with this. Um, I hope I'm wrong. I hope Elden Ring forces devs to look at the product that they're crafting more carefully and in turn deliver us better games. But if you look at something from, if you look at Elden Ring, just in quick passing, the, f the few things you take in are, wow, this is a hard game. Wow. It's really big. You know, it's pretty whatever, but, um, and then, yeah, no, that's it. <laughs> that's, that's pretty much it. Um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's not like, I don't want to leave that on a somber note. Like I think that we're headed in a bad direction, but I can't think of a positive trend, really positive trend, like inside of the gaming, uh, like inside of the developers kind of atmosphere. Yeah. Why not? I think, I think that not necessarily a trend, but the industry as a whole is going to be like begin to really change after the fucking horror story that was Activision Blizzard in the past year. Um, <clears throat> I believe companies as a whole are going to become a lot more inclusive and welcoming and just overall open. Um, I believe that it's hopefully like entering a new time period where people who pour their lives into the games that we play and adore, they're going to start feeling a little better in their work environments just from everything that we've seen in the past year. At least I hope so. That's that's a one bit of hope that I can hold on to. Is it going to happen overnight? No, but change is inevitable. The only you know variable is rate. So I I hope it happens quickly. So there's your positive bit. We'll end it on that.
That's good. That is very good. Did you have fun? I had a great time. Yeah. You made some jokes I didn't understand, but you know, you're just smarter than everyone. No, I'm just more clever. Um, yeah. Well, I had a good time. I had a fun time. So now that we're at the wrap up here, I'll try and do my best Josh impression here. But if uh, you are looking for all things Culture Bop, if you're looking to support us, us, them, um, <laughs> sorry, bad habit. Um, if you are looking to support or if you're looking to get more about, learn more about Culture Bop, there are a number of different ways that you can find these guys, they are on Instagram at culture underscore bop. You can follow the page there. Follow it. There's a tons of really good content, good updates about what's coming out. Um, really fun stuff on that regard. There's also a Discord for Culture Bop. Join it. Uh, it's very active. A lot of good conversations go on. Tons of really great people. Very, very positive. Very inclusive. Very nice uh, environment to join and the guys are in there they will talk to you they will respond to you sometimes maybe sometimes they'll share an opinion with you maybe about movies who knows but really great atmosphere uh, on the culture bop discord where can people find you mr martin uh primarily on twitch at twitch.tv slash omdizzy um, where else? Instagram at OMDizzy and Twitter at OMDizzyTV because some 12-year-old kid from Malaysia has my handle and I can't contact them because I guess they're minor. Oh, there are minor inconveniences more like it. Oh, it's a huge inconvenience. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, that's awesome. I'm glad to hear that. There's also something else that people can check out. And I always forget the link to it, but it is the Patreon. The Patreon for Culture Bob. You can join that simply by going to patreon.com slash culturebop. Check out what the tiers are if you want to subscribe, if you want to toss these guys a couple of bucks every month. Get them to do more of the stuff that they're doing. They're actively putting out more content. Uh, video content, podcast content. Again, joining the Patreon gives you access to the Discord. You can join that as well, and you can get you you can you too can share in the fun that is Culture Bob. So definitely check that out. See what they have to say. See what they have to do. Otherwise, I think that's it. Right? It's got it's it's been a fun ride. Yeah, it's been fun. Um. Yeah, this is the part where he usually plays like a song or something. I don't know. <laughs> and just immediately cuts. <laughs> yeah, right. And it's like a, you know, the song goes and then it's like, oh, like they're still talking like they're friends, but really one of them hates <laughs> the other one because that person has more than he has or something. I don't know. We talked about Porsches. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, definitely, though, stay tuned because we will be doing this again with Austin to get his take on things, learn more about him. And if you want to check out the episode on, on Josh, it is a uh, special episode number 12. So definitely check it out. Thanks for joining me. <laughs>